Good morning, everybody. It's your host, Mark Trimble, and this is the MK Journal Podcast. It's so Skookum. So my first podcast is the MK Journal one. And then the other one is Skookum, which is Alaskan for good, basically. So who's Alaskan in this no, group? No, none of, <laughs> neither one of us are Alaskan, but we just liked the way it sounded, and the meaning wasn't complete so trash. So did you go to a dictionary? No, I was... Um, How does this work? I was listening to the Meteor podcast, uh-huh. and they had a guy on there. I can't remember who it was, but he was basically from Alaska, and he was saying Skookum. And we're like, what the, and the the host was like, well, what's skookum mean? And he was like, oh, it means good in Alaskan or whatever. So I was like, oh, I like the word skookum. It sounds cool. And mm-hmm. the meaning's not terrible, so we'll go with that. I think we need headsets so we can hear. Yeah, well, that's not going to be a possibility. Why? Because in order to do headsets, it needs to either enter the microphone or it needs to enter the computer. And we only have one, um, we only have one audio jack, so we would need at least a divider. We just need to get a splitter for it? A splitter, basically. Those are super expensive, right? No, but I don't, I don't have, <laughs> you know, as, as you know, I just recently acquired this microphone, this beautiful microphone that I got here, instead of using one for two people, so, um, split, a splitter... For the microphone will be, or for a headset will be the next on the list. You know what you should do is, I mean, technically, if you had the new, um, if you had the new um, Apple thing, AirPods. No, not AirPods. If you had the new um, plug-in ones, mm-hmm. the that with the with the Apple thing, then you could plug one headset in using the audio jack, and then use the Apple one and maybe have both of them that way. Hmm. I don't know. I guess you just have to kind of play with it. Yeah. You probably need to get another one that's kind of like this. That way you well, can, I can just buy, talk straight I can to buy the, the um, I can buy the, the arm. That's not hard. Oh, okay. But I wanted one of these because for like my own when I do my own podcast by myself, I'd rather just have this there and not have it in my face. But, like, if I'm talking to somebody else, then it would be nice to have a, an arm. But this one's fine right now. Well, this one's a lot hotter, too, so I don't have to speak too loud to, for it to pick up. Whereas that one, you do speak into it for it to pick up. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, tell us about what you do, your job. Your your face like scrunches up when you're trying to be all official and legit. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> should probably just keep it real. Okay, we'll keep it real then. <laughs> <laughs> what is this like a end of twenty twenty? End of twenty twenty, I guess. Wrap up well, podcast. Technically, technically, beginning of twenty twenty, because well, it could be both, because technically we're in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. We're so like, we're, we're in 2021. Let's see, it's 12. We can talk right now. We can talk about 2020, what happened. You know, starting off with the death of 
uh, famous basketball player. <laughs> are, you serious? are you serious? No, I'm kidding. Oh my I gosh. <laughs> I really could care less. You are literally going to die now. Like, <laughs> talking about the great Kobe Bryant. We, we, almost, we almost got into war with Iran. Yeah. It would have been over pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Mm, I don't you, know. You finally quit McKesson. I mean, that's a, that's definitely a, a subject change right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going from Kobe's debt to Iran, starting a war, and then now and we're then like, oh, you leave McKesson. You left McKesson. COVID hit. Yeah. World shut down. Let's see. I guess it was... Uh, um, like three months after COVID hit, basically. Yeah, it was, it was pretty... I think I left in June. Well, I mean, you kind of started in March and kind of did it for like two months. Kind of did early shift and then did that whole part-time thing. Because you trained for a month and then you were doing stuff and then you quit and then went yeah. full-time. I guess it was a progression. Um, yeah, I worked, I switched over to the night shift for like, oh yeah, you did do that. A week and a half. That was stupid. A week and a half for two (laughs) weeks, and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out, Mm. and so I just left. Yeah. I was like, man, that's eight years, man. (laughs) Just all, yeah, it's all came to a head right there. Yeah, that's crazy though, like, um. I remember Joe Fallon doing he because he's going into um, private contracting for the um, for the military, basically doing doing what he does in the National Guard, but doing it private contracting. But he worked at it almost Tinker. sound like sound like you were gonna say he was doing some like Blackwater no, stuff. No, <laughs> um, but but he worked at Tinker for like nine years, hmm. and now he he basically quitting that job to do this. Working at Tinker as a private contractor. No, he oh. was he was he was a um, uh, what's it called? He worked in airplanes, but he did he dealt with the electrical, mm-hmm. um, the wiring of of the big airplanes, and he did that for he went to uh, school like one of those Votech schools or whatever for that, and then worked at Tinker, um, doing, you know, wiring for airplanes for nine years, and then now he is doing this uh, stuff for the military now. Um, but then he said he is only wants he wants to do it for a few years and then get out and finish his nursing. Because uh, he, he started going to college for nursing and then went into this, what he's doing now. And then after a few years, he says he's going to go back into nursing and blah, blah, blah. But the whole reason why I brought that up is because like you work at some place for you know, almost 10 years, and then you just decide, eh, and I asked him, I was like, why are you changing? It's a really good job. You're making a lot of money. I like, I'm just bored of it. I want to do something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, like the, I don't know, man, like, that's probably the biggest jump going from working, like, hourly at a warehouse and everything, like, <laughs> That jump to going full commission 
sales is pretty big. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, they're... Not many people make that transition. Yeah. It's... Man. Because it's easier to go from one hourly job to another hourly, hourly job or salary I job. I mean, but. yeah. The big thing about it is, like, the uncertainty of your paychecks. Right. Because, you know, it's... There's freedom there, and a freedom can either be a blessing, blessing or, a or a curse. Because if you're not, you know, if you're not out there hustling, then, you know, you're not getting paid. Right. So It's all dependent on <laughs> yeah. your work, basically. Yeah, yeah. And the other part, too, is um, you see other people that are into sales and you know before i got into sales i couldn't stand sales reps right you know because i'm like Ugh, that's so gross you're, you're that kind of person basically yeah so you're that guy so annoying and all this stuff and then you know i transition in, into it and i'm like yeah i'm trying to be like i don't want to be that sales guy mm-hmm. and it kind of i don't know i'm i kind of see it as like um, just like basically trying to do the right thing, make sure people are taken care of first, right? Before making a sale, but that it's tough because you know there you see this crossroad coming up in your mind while you're talking to to someone, right? And you know at that point you're like, okay, like I haven't gotten paid yet this week. Yeah. And and not that like not like I'm being like the decision would be to be dishonest or mislead, but right. maybe withhold information right. that would make them go another way. Um, that comes up in your mind um, all the time. But I've I've lost sales because of being like super honest. Right. And I'm not trying to say that as like a brag on me or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that's the kind of person that I would want to deal well, with. I mean, you can't, you can't like sell your soul, you mm-hmm. know, to make good money, you know, cause there are definitely people, you know, you have salespeople who are like that, that, that they do sell their soul basically for, for the money aspect. And they'll do, you know, they'll bend the rules a little bit if they're going to make some money off of it. Yeah. It's a lot of that is like, uh, what I kind of think of as like a burn and pillage kind of philosophy, right? <laughs> Be- because because man, not use you again if they find out you screw. Yeah, them I mean, a lot of people, you know, most of the time you won't really see those people again. But man, like I want to be that person that you call again, right? Because or would you, trust, right? Because yeah. you trust, you know that hey, this guy's right does, did me right, you know, mm-hmm. and he's. He's not going to screw me over, you know. Yeah. Um, and those are the ones that you eventually, you know, once once you build up your clientele, you you, you get you get pretty stable as far as like yeah income wise. I heard that it's like eighteen months or so is before there's a little bit of stability. But right. like for me, man, it's like that's that's probably the most difficult thing is well because you go from a job that's super stable. You know, you're going to get your paycheck no matter what. I mean, that's one of the cool things about this whole COVID thing was we never had to worry about mm-hmm. not having our job. It's such a time suck, though. Like, I didn't realize 
how miserable I was right. until I left and kind of tasted it. And then after you get away from like the drama of having to deal with yeah. a, a boss right. every day or um, even people like around you and like the stupidest thing come up and arguments and drama and all right. that stuff. Like a lot of that stuff is gone because you're not stuck around right. the same people all yeah, the time. Yeah, because basically, you know, it's it just becomes everybody is like you're <clears throat> I mean, it's understandable because those are the people you're with for the majority of your days. So like they eventually become people that you become friends with, but at the same time it seems like everybody in warehouses in general like there you can't differentiate between home life and and work life. Because they end up jumbling together. And then that makes work a whole lot more complicated because now you're including not just drama from work, but drama from home. Mm-hmm. Because you combine the two worlds, basically. Yeah, you know what kind of... At, <clears throat> at one point, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get into management and everything. And then... Uh, once I decided like I wasn't going to really go that route because of having to move, I started looking at pretty much like people that have been there, you know, for the <laughs> 20, 30 years. And right. I'm looking at them I'm like, you know, I don't want to be them. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, because, cause, you know, you talk to everyone, you know, you talk to like Scotty and Susan and, and all these, even people in the office, you know, that have been there for 15, 20 years, and they're just miserable, basically. You know, they're here, they're working, you know, they got this job, but it's not what they want to do. And if you, if the ones that are smart about it find fulfillment outside of work, but at the same time, the majority of your life is spent at work and you hate your job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's the biggest part. Um but yeah, it goes like you see, you know, some sales reps or even it kind of fits in that entrepreneur kind of a category too, because yeah. that's what they, you know, that's how they, that's how it works for them. Mm-hmm. So it's either you have that mentality or not. And you got to be able to make that jump too. Like that's the biggest, I remember mom had worked on me for about, nine ten months beforehand and i was like super skeptical the whole time like i was like okay yeah right right that's that's not legit i hate that and i'm like i got these benefits i got these vacation days and all this stuff and then man like this month you know it's been kind of worry about yeah. Vacation time and what days you can yeah. take off. You like, know. all that stuff seems so dumb to me now. Like, this, you know, pretty much this week, like, I worked a little bit at the beginning of it. But most of my stuff was getting set up for making appointments for the next month. Right. But, man, like, <laughs> it was so dumb. I, I, I kind of go back and think about it. I'm like, all right, so I would have spent the whole year... Not taking time off. If you wanted this time off. Well, to hopefully get to be on the calendar to be able to use that time on right. the days if somebody, that you're wanting. Yeah, if somebody hadn't <laughs> yeah. already scheduled it, basically. Right. And then, you know, it just seems that whole uh, 
that whole concept just seems dumb. Like, I completely understand it, but at the same time, like, I could never go back. Right. Well, and yeah. I'm not really talking about McKesson necessarily, right, but, but it's just, like the just whole... Just that whole kind of, like, structure, idea of basically. It. Yeah, because I'm like, man... Yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not sticking around here for this. Like, right. <laughs> like, there's way more potential. You know, you wait, you can make a lot more money. Right. I mean, it's it's yeah, a roller coaster, a, yeah, so it's up and down. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely another thing. It's just the fact that you can make so much more money um, on at your job. You know, like the the potential is a whole lot more. It's not like you have to work a, this job for a certain amount of years before you get the opportunity maybe mm-hmm. to move up and then you're stuck at this in this bracket mm-hmm. for however long before you move up you know before you move up and it, like your your potential is only ba- based on the spot that you're in basically and it's like as long as you're here this is your potential this is how much you can make max and this is how much you can make minimum and and then so then your only way to increase your potential is to move up, which takes time and effort, you know, and depending on what job you're at, it takes a lot of, you know, butt kissing or, or whatever or whatever the job, you know, whoever your boss is, whatever kind of culture they establish at work. Um Yeah, so going from that to where you're at now, where basically you're completely free and you get to do make your own judgments and then depending on how hard you work that's how much you know it pretty much you're going to see the result of your hard work you know Mm -hmm. you work hard you're going to make more money you don't work hard you're not going to make money so and then your potential is a whole lot more too because you build that clientele and just off it based off experience and then you get to the point where you're making more than it would have taken you to make it McKesson after 30 years of working there. You know, maybe if you're lucky to get director of operations and you could make that at your job now, if you worked hard enough in half the time, maybe even, uh, you know, a third of the time, be able to make what they make. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea of it, like going to a building every day, back and forth seems insane to me now too i don't know (laughs) it's so crazy it's just so crazy to kind of think about i don't know yeah it's 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 insane you know but you don't really know what it's like until you get out of it yeah because i i feel like it's a um like a mindset it's like you're conditioned into okay well I'm trading these hours for this security. Right. It's kind of what you're doing, really. Right. And I think everyone just gets used to it to where that's the mentality. And it honestly would probably be more helpful if, you know, the structure on it was reverted back to, you know, basically like your commission, right? Because it's it's all dependent on what you do. Right. How hard you work. Because I mean, come on, like there I know there's like set standards and whatnot, but how many people are like really working? Right. You know, yeah. To get like that hourly rate. Like right. I don't no, you're you're not. Yeah, I don't I don't really think so at all. Yeah. Especially now with the way it is, you know, with them changing up the numbers and, and doing stuff like that. So yeah, that's not happening. Well, I'm not. I'm not really talking about like 
McKesson necessarily. I'm just talking about just like in general, any kind of like hourly rate to where you're pretty much you're doing your best to deserve well, being paid a certain amount. Yeah, I mean, you got to do a lot to, you know, kind of get fired from anywhere. Right. I mean, and a lot of times it's hourly because it's not an actual production job. It's more like just having a body right. <laughs> that's there. To do stuff. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what it is. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, I just kind of wish that there was more people that would kind of jump into that. And especially if you're... If you're miserable at what you're doing, right? I mean, that's a that's a big thing to do. I think that would be the way to go, um, because man, like just staying where you're at and being miserable, I I don't think it's worth, you know, the security that you get from being there. I really don't. Right. I think you need to go out and kind of, kind of risk it. You know, at least do it, at least do it once. At least try it. Yeah, at least, at least try it once. And if it's not for you, then you can go back and hopefully be more thankful. Yeah, that. And then, and you know, even if you do fail, it's not going to take you very long to get back where you were, especially if you're just working an hourly job. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, you may be set back, but most hourly jobs you can get. Like if I quit McKesson. I could get back to where I was now at a different job within two or three years. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, one thing that I've been thinking about is I remember being there and feeling stuck. And I'm like, man, if I just had the opportunity, you know, I could really do something. Right. If I just had the opportunity. And then I switched over to this, and I've had, like, multiple, multiple um, businesses, like, wanting to hire me. The yeah. first one was an insurance company. Uh-huh. They wanted me to be an insurance agent. It's like, oh, my gosh, you'll do so great and all this. And there's really a need, and they're, man, they're looking to, to hire people, and there's a shortage of it. Really, of all these different sales stuff, really, there's a big shortage. It's just sales. Yeah, you know, I they, mean, they, you well, know, even though you know you're an insurance agent, but it's all sales, which is why they are probably struggling because people don't want to get into the sales aspect of it. Well, it's more like because of the fact that it's full commission, right. and and some things do have like a base salary, like they'll structure it. Um, some of your bigger insurance companies like State Farm, right? Uh, farmers, they'll um, they'll guarantee you something basically. Yeah, they'll put you on salary and say, "Hey, you got to hit these goals, and if you don't, then you know, you're either gone or you owe us that money that oh, we really? paid you." Yeah, uh, okay. But they'll do that. Um, the big thing, though, man, is uh, it's super important. To get into something that you... It's called a book of business. And it's pretty much like all the customers that you sign up, you're like, okay, they're my customers. Right. Well, when you sign them up, yeah, they got it from you, but you don't own their accounts. Right. They're, for example, State Farm. They own that account. So if you leave, you let's say you put in 10 years or whatever... You build up your agency and everything. If you leave State Farm, 
you lose all of your, all of your people, basically. People. Yeah, and with especially with insurance, a lot of those they have. Um, you pretty much make, uh, what's the term on it? You make a commission every year, off of those people. Oh, really? As long as they stay with the company. So, and I'm forgetting what the term is, but um, that's how insurance agents basically stay alive is the fact they the fact that they have this clientele that they yeah because every time you renew um, yearly right um, once they'll come up for renewal and you retain that business you get a, a commission off of it. Oh, so okay. if you get someone, you keep them on for thirty years. They're you're making money every year. Yeah, off of them. Off those that's customers. separate from the actual commission from them signing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's structured differently per company. But just imagine you were, you know, Joe Schmo, build this agency, put in the 10 years, decide to go to another agency or something. You lost all that. Like, you don't get to keep it because you're not independent. And right. a lot of times you have to, let's say... With an independent insurance agency and you're what's called a producer. Well, whenever you make that commission, you split the commission with the agency owner. So usually it'll be a 60-40 split. And then the second year when it's retained, that commission will flip flip and... 40-60. Yeah. And so that's usually how it goes. But if you were to leave and you want to start like the Mark Trimble insurance agency uh-huh. you would have to buy the book of business all the customers you signed up that you get the you'd have to buy from, from them you have to buy from the agency owners because you don't own your book of business the agency does huh. so when you're starting your own thing you have to buy it so so you technically can't keep records of your people like let's say you worked for you know this company and i mean you're putting records you, you know, can but you can't use them. Um, I mean, if you're using a what's called a CRM, is what it's called, um, and that agency uses it, and you're tracking everything, all the information's in there, right? You know, but just the fact that if you were to start your own, those policies, those people don't automatically move over. They don't to automatically you. move over. Yeah, because you don't own it. The right. agency does. Right. But if you're independent, then what? But even if you're an independent um, producer, like under an independent insurance agency, uh-huh. it's still the same thing. Oh. But let's say, I've, I heard this, um, let's say you work for farmers and this one farmer's agent is going out of business. Yeah. Another farmer's agent can buy. His book, book of business. Yes. Oh, okay. Can buy it from him. Or um, let's say you're, a producer uh-huh. in, in an insurance agency and you want to start your own and so-and-so over here is retiring, Right, you could um, go and buy his book of business. Okay. But the only problem is when it comes to these big companies, they still retain. You can buy it from that person, but it's not like if you went independent uh-huh. then it would switch over to you. Like right. then It's always, it's with, always that. with that company. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super important. One thing to look at if you're getting into that world is getting into a business that you own the book of business outright. So that's something that's cool um, about Five Rings Financial, which is what I'm wanting to transition to 
full time aside from Alert 360. Um, you want to do both of them full time or more this? No, one I'll, than the I'll other do one. both of them. It'll be more Alert 360 at first, and until then, you build up your clientele, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and then I want to switch over the five rings. But right. the cool thing is, you own the book of business, so uh-huh. if you're my customer, right, you're my customer. Right, I'm getting, I'm getting the commissions off of it. Right, I'm taking care of you, and all that stuff. You don't have to buy from anyone. You own it, um, right off the bat. Uh-huh. So that's that's super cool because let's say I decided not to uh, keep my license. Well, let's say I didn't want really care to go out and sell anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I would still make the yearly commissions if they stayed. If they say that you built up right. as long as I kept my license renewed. Oh, okay. As long as it's active, I still get all the how, commissions. How often do you have to renew your license? I think it's, you know, I'm not sure. But it's just the same test that you have to take? You don't have to take the test every time. You just have to renew You it. just have to keep the um, the license renewed. You have to pay the, whatever the cost whatever is Whatever the fee it. is for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you find that um, healthy balance between being pushy enough to to like remind them, hey, to get this done whenever you're signing up a customer, for whether it's for Alert 360 or for Five Rings, and not being over pushy. Um, because man. that's what drives some people away. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to because your paycheck is dependent on... Yeah, I, I have one customer that, that I finally, finally got... It's not even all the way done yet, but I've been working on that for two months now. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you're right, because I'm like, okay, well, that's a paycheck right there. Right. It'd be really awesome, but it wouldn't be right to say, hey, if you don't get it done now. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it's, well, I mean, like, I don't mean it in the, in the way, like, being rude or impolite about it, but at the same time, even if you are as nice as you possibly could be, there are those customers that like, I'll get it done when I get it done kind of people, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the customers that need to be, hey, do you got, if you got time this week, it'd be really good if mm-hmm. you get this done, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, a lot of it, especially when you run into commercial business owners, you'll run into the fact that they are busy all the time. Right. And, you know, they're... It, that's the biggest thing. If you're, if it's just like a regular home or just, you know, if it's not a commercial kind of setup, those are pretty easy to do. Well, commercial is the majority of your sales for... For like 360. For like 360 yeah. commercial. Yeah, a lot of it. Um, but commercial is also a bigger payout, right? No. No? The residential is bigger. I thought uh, commercial was bigger. Mm. Huh. Less payout, but... Um, the problem is, is being a f- being able to find and talk to homeowners and set right. them up, because no one's <clears throat> home most of the time. No one's home, and when they're home, they don't want to be talked. Yeah, because who who wants you know, like who wants to have someone come knock your door and try to talk you in again? Something you're not even interested in. Right. Like that's you know that's not not something I do. Right. At all. Um, I just don't find it, you know, very helpful. Lucrative. Yeah, it's called an ROI, like return on return investment. Return on investment, yeah. yeah. Um, the amount of time I would spend on that, I don't really see 
I don't. I just don't think it's a wise um, use of my time. Right. So then the challenge is finding that environment to where you could talk to homeowners and finding one that is available consistently throughout mm-hmm. the year. Because, I mean, you're going to have those environments as far as, like, state fairs and stuff like that, you know, where you could go and set yeah. up an exhibit and, like, maybe attract some people. But at the same time, that's once a year. So what are you going to do for all the other months that you have and, and you know, events help? But it's just kind of fine. Well, for me, my, you know main way what I'm trying to get into is through networking and getting referrals because referrals man it's like you know my brother wants this I know him he's awesome Uh come over here and get this done like that's the best way to do it Um, because you have a realtor friend that's in your referral group she sells a house Mm -hmm. says hey I have this alert system guy really awesome guy really great company recommend him boom mm-hmm. you have a customer basically right and you know <clears throat> even even better than that is just like friends <clears throat> of people that you meet or family or whatever um, right you know it puts a lot of it really separates between other companies that aren't referral based and i can tell you out of all the referral groups and everything that i've been in, into like community groups um anything like that um Alert 360, as a security company, is the only one that does it. None of the other ones do that because they all are those people that go around and knock on your door. Right. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, I feel like it really separates um, people because, man, like, one bad um, customer experience from a referral is wor- is worse than than having ten good sales, because man, right. it's like you know, because now it's like, oh well, so and so that you sent over to me, he did a terrible job, or he you know wasn't honest with me or anything like that. All of a sudden, you burned bridges, you know, and I think when you're doing like the referral market versus uh, cold calling. I think you're held to a higher standard. You're more accountable um, to make sure you do the right thing. Right, and, and make sure the people that you do refer are decent people who yeah, do good yeah. jobs and yeah, are trustworthy. You, yeah, you want to be that resource that, you know, you don't want to be a person that just like, you know, their kind of referrals are, oh, let me, I know random so-and-so. Right, I know but, this guy. Yeah, but, but like, really, do I trust him? Yeah. Do I actually use his well, stuff? That, and, then, you know? and then you kind of become a resource to your customer mm-hmm. when they trust you and they trust the people that you refer. Right. You know, then they go to you, which helps you help out your refer- your referral group. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you have a group of people who are like that, then you're basically, you guys are looking out for each other and helping each other out. Yeah, and something that I've noticed, too, is that um, how you are as a salesperson or whatever, you tend to attract the same kind of mindset people. Right. Like, if you're honest and decent, you care about giving the people the best kind of product. Yeah, and you're not pushy or anything right. like that. If you go through and look at everyone that I 
deal or, you know, hang out with or have referral um, partner kind of relationships, none of them are the pushy salespeople type. Right. Because we're just, you know, we're just not like that at all. Right. You know, so, because the <coughs> thing is, like, going into any kind of, like, situation like that, people, your customer always assumes that you're um, trying to get something over right. you know, them. Um, so you're just I, making the sale to benefit you, not really to benefit them. Right. And, uh, you know, you can feel that when you walk into, you know, home or right. business or anything like that. Like, you can you can feel that, and I hate that feeling. Yeah. Um, because I know I'm not that person, but... They don't know that. They don't know that at all. And I think there's just a really bad sell, um, you know, a rap about it, basically. Right. Well, because that's how sales started out, basically. Well, it's kind of like, um, you know, everyone hates going to a car dealership, you know? So that experience is probably like the, you know, they the blame, worst. They, well, that, but they blanket all salesmen as car mm-hmm. salesmen, basically, is what, right. it, what it turns out to be. Yeah. Yeah, um... So going to like the five rings financial, my, it's going to, I think this job is going to be pushing to more what I really care about and what I really want to help people out with. And that is helping people with their finances, getting right um, their retirement in order, <clears throat> stuff like that. Maybe... Yeah. Helping people getting their budget, you know, if they don't know how to budget money. Because, you know, it's crazy because you go through school and everything they and don't they don't you. talk to you about yeah, they money. Don't, they don't teach you about, even even when you take business math, it's it's just, they don't teach you really anything about. Yeah, like you would, you would think that um, a class on how taxes work or how retirement works. Right. How to file your taxes. How to make a budget. How to make a budget. Um all those things that are even like insurance, but we have classes you know? on, but we have classes on how to make, mm-hmm. you know, which is, well, which, you know, yeah. is kind of practical, but, but really, well, you know, even like algebra though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel you. like there's a lot more stuff that goes with setting people up. Maybe even talking about what debt is and, right. um, your credit, you know, yeah. your credit history. How, how to have good credit. Yeah, like how to build it, how to keep it up, because you yeah. run into so many problems with that, um, and that affects your life. It ultimately, like, if you have bad credit, um, you it costs a lot more yeah. for you to get stuff, you know? I also feel like how... some So, like, Japan and Korea... They basically, um, when they're the way they do school is they do your three years of high school, right? And during those three years of high school, they basically like evaluate what you're good at. And then they counsel you to take it's basically kind of like a pre college course. Like, oh, you're good in math and sciences, so you should probably consider something in math and science. So your whole high school, you the first three years of high school are you know pretty normal. You're learning about a bunch of different subjects, but then your last year of high school is college prep, but also 
only the subjects that you choose, basically. So, like, if you're an art, you know, language studies person, then that's your last year of high school is just that. If it's science and math or if it's whatever, then that's literally what they gear you towards, you know, whether it's something you're good at or it's something you want. Like, they don't force you into it. They strongly recommend you to go to the ones that you're good at, but you can pick one, Mm -hmm. you know, and even at least, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it, but at least it gives a different, uh, at least it kind of optimized, it's optimized a little bit better. I'm not saying it's it's the best way, but I think it's a, it's a better way of doing it than our way, which is just like you have to learn about everything, and but we're not really going to teach you about some of the stuff that matters, mm-hmm. and you just gotta gotta figure out what you want to do, and then you graduate and you still don't know what you want to do, then you go to college because that's what everybody wants you to do, and when you're in college, you're like, well, pff, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So you either end up taking a course that you think you're going to like or you take this bland course that you can kind of blanket everything. And then when you get done with that, you graduate college with a business degree and you still don't know what you want to do. Yeah, I think... Um, and you still don't know how to do taxes or any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of think there's going to be a push um, of getting away from requiring college degrees to get at certain jobs because... Because most jobs require you to go through their own training anyway mm-hmm. so well, like your whole college i mean unless it's like specific jobs like law medical and, and certain specific business jobs you know that require you to have that knowledge but for the most part like if you're just going into some random you know if you're especially if you start from the bottom like as far as like maybe a, a regular worker all the way up until you get to like the the higher up, you know, executive spots, you really the 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 company teaches you all you need to know about it. I just think that if you look at people that are actually out there starting the businesses, they're not going to college and getting a four year yeah. degree to they're, open an yeah, LLC to sell whatever. It, yeah, they're learning about it mm-hmm. on their own learning what they need to learn and cutting out all the BS that you have to learn when you're in college. Like you go to college and you're, is you're a business major or you're an engineer where you still got to go and take all your general ed, which is just college courses on what you le- should have learned in high school. I think if I remember right, Elon Musk talked about the um, pretty much companies get a w- need to get away from having um, MBAs, um, your mass right. master degrees, yeah. all in the businesses because they don't actually push your company forward. They really, they don't really make money, right? At all, they don't add towards production or anything like that. They're just like these nonsense roles in the company because the company is so big. Now they need a you know, whatever, like HR coordinator, right? you know, and all this stuff, like, but it doesn't actually help. And I think hopefully uh, with people like that pushing that and, you know, most, most things say, if you want to learn, like you can literally look it up on YouTube, right? you know, or you could take some seminar or some course that's just for that stuff. Yeah. Like if you want to learn um, 
how to do Microsoft Office or Excel spreadsheets. Right. You, you can, can literally, literally YouTube just, all that junk. YouTube it. And there's also like courses for just Microsoft Word. Yeah. A Office lot cheaper than going to college. Yeah, too. a lot cheaper than going to a four year college to do that. Even like coding, you know, coding something that a lot of people go to college for, but most of you people who are really good coders or, you know, software engineers were already really good at that stuff way before they got into college and even while they were in college got good at it on their own time doing their own research, not just sitting through classes and learning what, you know, some random professor says about coding and software engineering and all that stuff. Mm. So it really just is people who are good at it spend their own time and effort and money in doing the research themselves, you know, so. Yeah, because I, you know, I had, I had wanted to get into finance for a long time. I just thought, at least everywhere that I had looked, that I would have to go to college again. And it wasn't even like specifying a kind of degree. It was just, they were just requiring, oh, well, we want a four-year degree. Right. You know, we want a, at least a bachelor's. And, and, the, and argument, the fact that they don't require you to have a bachelor's in a certain field mm-hmm. is just, we just want you to have a, have a college degree. Well, I think it's really an excuse to, it's a type of filter right? that a lot of companies just add on uh, just to filter out certain people. Right. And it they does want, seem they want like, to know you're at least yeah. smart enough to graduate from college. Well, I don't and think that you have the commitment to stay yeah, in that's, one place for four years. I think that's the word I heard was commitment. Um, was what they wanted to see, but I don't know. I I just feel like there's holes, you know, right? Kind of in that theory, you know, that in that kind of opinion. Yeah, because you can get somebody who graduated from college that was stupid, and you can get somebody that graduated from college that is no not committed at all. They just got went there for whatever their own personal reason was and stayed there for the four years and graduated, maybe because they had their own personal reasons for doing that, not because they were they started something and they were committed to see it to the end, whether mm-hmm. they enjoyed it or not, you know. Yeah. So that it's just it's just an out an out is basically our high school system, education system is an outdated system that needs to be completely redone because the world we live in at least is, you know, is starting to become obvious that, Hey, this way of doing things from high school all the way into college really doesn't matter anymore because it's all the people who are successful are people who do the research on their own, on their own time. And, are creative and, you know, don't follow the mainstream of thinking. Yeah. I like how we sound, we act like we know what we're talking about. Right, but we don't, you know, we're just two bums. I have no idea. We're talking. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even how, know exactly how we got on this. <laughs> but the, the school system. The, the school system. And, you know. Whatever that is. Yeah. Supposedly. But, oh, well, at least I'm not in school anymore. 
Yeah. I'm happy about that. How long are these podcasts normally? However long you want it to be, man. Really? Yeah. What's your, what was the last one? I did one, uh, I think it was this past Saturday. No, maybe it was. Whatever it was, like even this past Saturday or the Saturday before that. It was Saturday before that. We did like an hour and 15 minutes, I think. So which one is this one? This one is, this one will go on my MK Journal one. This one you do by yourself? By myself. Uh, oh. So you're the first official guest. Oh, well, that's cute. Privilege, privilege, not... It is such an honor to all five <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> what is your listener count? It's something like, I think when I was posting consistently, it was like seven. So that's your problem, you're not consistent about this junk. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, we've gotten a lot more consistent with the Skookum one, but this one I'm still trying to figure out, like, what I want it to be. So who is listening to it? The Trimble family? So who is listening no, to it? No, well, I know Dad listens to it, this one. I don't know if he listens to the other one, but the other one has more diverse diversity when it comes to the listenership because some of it's John's family, and then I know... Some of my our family have listened to it at one point in time, but then I know we have, like, I've had friends in the Philippines listen to an episode of this or the other one. So it's just you probably just if you're really interested in growing a podcast, you probably just have to kind of like when they teach about social media, it's about having consistent times. Yeah, so that people can depend on, and that's what I've set up with Skookum. The Skookum podcast is, it's once a week now. That way we're not pressured to always put something out and it'll be on a Saturday. So unless it's like, like these past two uh, holidays, we, I mean, last week we didn't record because it was Christmas and, you know, we were doing our own things. But tomorrow, I mean, not tomorrow, sat, this coming Saturday, we're going to record. We've been pretty consistent about it, about getting out, recording once a week and putting an episode out there. Um, we've already set up the social media accounts for, for this one and for the other one on Facebook and created pages for it. So we keep posting that. I'm, I'm wanting to do, I'm wanting to start like whenever we talk about something, like this past podcast, we talked about some history things and I talked about some of the World War II uh, monuments in the Philippines. I was wanting to like take some pictures of that and post it on the Facebook page to kind of like show the people, hey, this is what we were talking about on this podcast, blah, 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 mm-hmm. just to kind of like be more interactive with yeah. the audience base. Because both, both pages, I think the Skookum podcast has like 150 followers and my MK Journal one has like 200 something. Do you know that the first time I ever heard of the Joe Rogan podcast was from you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know who I heard it from? Mm. Brian Baldwin. Really? Uh-huh. Back on nights when I was on the Interesting. Yeah. He tuned me into that, and I started listening to it just because I got so tired of listening to the same playlist over yeah. and over and yeah. over again. So I started listening to him... Joe Rogan around the 500 episode mark, yeah. I think, is when I started listening to him. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm just going to like tune in. Every, I, now I kind of pick and choose the people I want to listen to. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'll just be listening, you know, we'll go to the next episode and I'll be surprised with different things. Like I listened to one where he was interviewing two restauranteurs, restauranteurs from LA. LA. Yeah. And I, I saw that one and I was kind of like, ah, I'm going to take a chance on it and kind of listen to it. But I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised because, uh, it wasn't like, I was expecting something else basically. And it ended up being a pleasant, you know, conversation, dialogue between all three of them, their opinions and stuff about what's going on in California and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, then. so I'll, I'll, I'll tune in. But most of them is just kind of like I pick, oh, I know this person's good. I want to listen to the, them or, or this person. Like he interviewed that rock climber chick. I really like that one because I don't mm-hmm. know. So if it's anybody to do with fitness or uh, science or... Um, army or something special you know that I've never heard of before I'm like ah listen to that Mm -hmm. I know that I listen a lot less to music and podcasts since I left doing an hourly job right because you really don't have the time to do it well it's not about that it's just like the boredom aspect you're not as bored yeah, because I'm like I'm not, I can't You're doing stuff. I can't do this while I'm working necessarily. Right. Um, I'll do it like you know between if I have to drive yeah somewhere far right. Um, but I know I'm not because man, like when when I was still there, I was going through podcasts yeah. and stuff right because like all day every day because you just you you not I remember. I was so happy to find the Joe Rogan podcast, but I was getting to the point where I would like, I started, that's how I started getting to podcasting in general was because even though his podcasts were two to three hours long, he would only post like three a week or four a week, mm-hmm. you know, and here I am working eight hours running through three or four podcasts of his, you know, the, okay, you know, that's... <laughs> One one day, yeah, <laughs> what took you yeah. a week to record. Took me one day to listen right. to. So that's when I found the Dan Carlin Hardcore History yeah. podcast and a bunch of other ones that I listen to now. So I still listen to a ton of them more than I listen to music, just because music just gets boring yeah. after a while. Well, Seth, especially if you're just rotating through the same stuff. To that kind of adds to it. That, but I also feel like, you know, at least podcasting will kind of like, it. at least I'm kind of learning something, you know, especially with the kind of podcast that I listen to, that I like to listen to. Um, I don't like to, I mean, I like to listen to ones that are, that make my brain think, mm-hmm. you know, not just like if I'm listening to music, I'm not thinking, it's just turn off. This is just right feeling my head with, you know, just noise, noise, basically. You know, whereas when it's podcasts, like I'm actively listening and, mm-hmm. and you know thinking about what they're saying and you know learning stuff. If it's something that I've never heard before, or someone that I've never listened to before, you know. Right. Yeah, I think I'm probably gonna get into podcasting a little bit when I get more um, into. Getting five rings going because my goal well, is at least to having like your own little personal platform of like you know somebody can't 
schedule something with you, just like the knowledge that you have and being able to share that with, you know, the internet and whoever can stumble, whoever is able to stumble across it, you know, and benefit from it is nice. Yeah, my goal is to basically work with church groups and missionaries into doing the five rings thing and, and getting uh, financials and retirement and stuff in order because that's like a really big need, I feel like, that I've seen, you know, just recently. So I, I think I'm probably going to do some kind of podcasting with that to try to, you know, pretty much like keep in touch with yeah more people right as i get there but we'll we'll see how it goes yeah I guess. you know we'll figure that out down the road mm-hmm. and 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 then you know being able to i just feel like podcasting is able to open up some roads or so and and able to get you in touch with people that you would never be able to get in touch with if you didn't put yourself out there you know like Cause there's a lot of people who are experts in their fields that do podcasting, you know, and whether it's finance or whether it's comedy or whether it's whatever, there's a podcast for everything and like being able to, and, and, and not even that, but just like having your uh, podcast that you have, especially the bigger it is, the more people like that are willing to come on your show because it's not like, it doesn't become like a personal favor. It's kind of like, hey, you know, come do this interview. And then it becomes more of like a business thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are a lot more willing to go on a news network and talk about what they do because they know people are going to listen. Whereas if it was like you reaching out to them personally and saying, hey, can you come over to my house and like talk to me about this? You know, they're going to be like, well, you know, unless we're really good friends or unless I like you, mm-hmm. they're not going to do that. But if you would say, hey, come over to my house, I run this podcast, you know, I have a ton of people listening to me. I'd like to talk to you about this and share it with the world. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll come over and do that. So like there's avenues and, and there's opportunities that are created through podcasting that you would never or, or seldom be able to get, you know, and having that with your goal and being able to possibly meet with other people who are experts in different fields that you would like to get into or to have input from would be nice, mm. basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a lot of words trying to say something. Yeah. Small. Yeah, it is. I got to go blow my nose because my nose is clogged. So you just keep talking. Probably just wrap it up. I'm about to oh, we could wrap it up. It's been an hour. So pretty good pretty good episode there. But yeah, so. Cool. What do you think about doing this more often? Yeah. I think as long as you talk over me less, that'd be nice. <laughs> what do you mean talk over you less? You I don't feel like I talked over you. You should go back and listen to it. Okay, I that's will. A, that's a problem you have. <laughs> I don't mind going gotta, back listening you to it. wait for me to finish, finish my uh, my thought before you jump in. I feel like you're just being... A prick? Yeah. No. <laughs> that, that's legit. That's, okay. That's a legit thing. All right, well, we'll wrap it up there and maybe do this in Whoever's the Whoever's listening... You'll agree with me. I promise. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone.